everybody, and welcome back to Reading the Church Fathers. We are going to be finishing up the first epistle of St. Clement today before moving on to the more enigmatic letters and writings of the Apostolic Fathers. Let's go ahead and just jump right in to chapter 47 here, entitled, Your Recent Discord is Worse Than the Former which took place in the times of Paul. Remember, St. Clement here is addressing the Corinthian church after a nasty schism had broken out among the people. Take up the epistle of the blessed apostle Paul. What did he write to you at the time when the gospel first began to be preached? Truly, under the inspiration of the Spirit, he wrote to you concerning himself and Cephas and Apollos, because even then parties had been formed among you. But that inclination for one above another entailed less guilt upon you, inasmuch as your partialities were then shown towards apostles, already of high reputation, and towards a man whom they had approved. But now reflect who those are that have perverted you and lessened the renown of your far-famed brotherly love. It is disgraceful, beloved, yea, highly disgraceful and unworthy of your Christian profession that such a thing should be heard of, as that the most steadfast and ancient church of the Corinthians should on account of one or two persons engage in sedition against its presbyters. And this rumor has reached not only us, but those also who are unconnected with us, so that through your infatuation the name of the Lord is blasphemed, while danger is also brought upon yourselves. I note here before I move on to the next chapter, he speaks of St. Paul as the blessed apostle. The next time somebody attempts to tell you that there was a division between a Pauline faction and a, a St. James faction in the church, they're speaking rubbish and nonsense to you. The earliest writings we have preserved demonstrate a reverence for St. Paul as a called apostle among the other apostles. But I move on. Chapter 48. Let us return to the practice of brotherly love. Let us therefore with all haste put an end to this state of things, and let us fall down before the Lord and beseech him with tears, that he would mercifully be reconciled to us and restore us to our former seemly and holy practice of brotherly love. For such conduct is the gate of righteousness, which is set upon open for the attainment of life. As it is written, Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go in by them and will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter in by it. Although, therefore, many gates have been set open, yet this gate of righteousness is that gate in Christ, by which blessed are all they that have entered in and have directed their way in holiness and righteousness doing all things without disorder. Let a man be faithful. Let him be powerful in the utterance of knowledge. Let him be wise in judging of words. Let him be pure in all his deeds. 
Yet the more he seems to be superior to others in these respects, the more humble-minded ought he to be, and to seek the common good of all, and not merely his own advantage. Chapter 49 says, The praise of love. Let him who has love in Christ keep the commandments of Christ. Who can describe the blessed bond of the love of God? What man is able to tell the excellence of its beauty as it ought to be told? The height to which love exalts is unspeakable. Love unites us to God. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love beareth all things, is long-suffering in all things. There is nothing base, nothing arrogant in love. Love admits of no schisms. Love gives rise to no seditions. Love does all things in harmony. By love have all the elect of God been made perfect. Without love, nothing is well-pleasing to God. In love has the Lord taken us to himself. On account of the love he bore us, Jesus Christ our Lord gave his blood for us by the will of God, his flesh for our flesh, and his soul for our souls. Chapter 50 let us pray to be thought worthy of love. Ye see, beloved, how great and wonderful a thing is love, and that there is no declaring its perfection. Who is fit to be found in it except such as God has vouchsafed to render so? Let us pray, therefore, and implore of his mercy that we may live blameless in love, free from all human partialities for one above another. All the generations from Adam even unto this day have passed away, but those who through the grace of God have been made perfect in love now possess a place among the godly, and shall be made manifest at the revelation of the kingdom of Christ. For it is written, Enter into thy secret chambers for a little time, until my wrath and fury pass away, and I will remember a propitious day and will raise you up out of your graves. That's uh, from Isaiah chapter 26, verse 20. Blessed are we, beloved, if we keep the commandments of God in the harmony of love, that so through love our sins may be forgiven us. For it is written, Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not impute to him, and in whose mouth there is no guile. From Psalm 32. This blessedness cometh upon those who have been chosen by God through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. A quick note on the theology that St. Clement is trying to express here. He speaks about a blessedness that comes from being made perfect in love. But then he says that that blessedness comes upon those who have been chosen by God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Effectively saying that those who are elect in Christ will be sanctified such that their agape love and their expression of it will grow over time. And continuing on with what St. Paul says, uh, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, 
and St. James earnestly telling us to continue on being an active participant in our sanctification, the Christian lives the already but not yet. We seek that which is promised to us when it comes to sanctification and being made perfect. Hopefully that can make Clement's wording a little bit more sensible. Chapter 51 states, Let the partakers in strife acknowledge their sins. Let us therefore implore forgiveness for all those transgressions which through any suggestion of the adversary we have committed. And those who have been the leaders of sedition and disagreement ought to have respect to the common hope. For as such live in fear and love, would rather that they themselves than their neighbors should be involved in suffering. And they prefer to bear blame themselves rather than that the concord which has been well and piously handed down to us should suffer. For it is better that a man should acknowledge his transgressions than that he should harden his heart, as the hearts of those who were hardened, who stirred up sedition against Moses, the servant of God, and whose condemnation was made manifest unto all. For they went down alive into Hades, and death swallowed them up. Pharaoh with his army and all the princes of Egypt, and the chariots with their riders, were sunk in the depths of the Red Sea, and perished, for no other reason than that their foolish hearts were hardened, after so many signs and wonders had been wrought in the land of Egypt by Moses the servant of God. Chapter 52 such a confession is pleasing to God. The Lord, brethren, stands in need of nothing, and he desires nothing of anyone except that confession be made to him. For says the elect David, I will confess to the Lord, and that will please him more than a young bullock that hath horns and hooves. Let the poor see it and be glad. From Psalm 69. And again he saith, Offer unto God the sacrifice of praise, and pay thy vows unto the Most High, and call upon me in the day of thy trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. For the sacrifice of God is a broken spirit. Speaking from Psalm 50, verses 14 and 15, and Psalm 51, verse 17. Note here the lack of an aspect of satisfaction in St. Clement's writing. My theory is that the doctrine of satisfaction and much of what we speak of with penance as a sacrament for the Roman Church comes out of the days of the lapsi. When we get to the Donatist writings and St. Augustine writing against them, we'll start to see that formulate. Augustine and Chrysostom both go against the Donatists and as well as against the lapsi, saying these men can be made right before God. Chapter 53 states, The love of Moses towards his people. Ye understand, beloved, ye understand well the sacred scriptures, and ye have looked very earnestly into the oracles of God. Call these things, then, to your remembrance. When Moses went up into the mount and abode there with fasting and humiliation, forty days and forty nights, the Lord said unto him, Moses, Moses, get thee down quickly from hence, for thy people whom thou didst bring out of the land of Egypt 
have committed iniquity. They have speedily departed from the way in which I commended them to walk, and have made unto themselves molten images. And the Lord said unto him, I have spoken to thee once and again, saying, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Let me destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven. And I will make thee a great and wonderful nation, and one much more numerous than this. But Moses said, Far be it from thee, Lord, pardon the sin of this people, else blot me also out of the book of the living. O marvelous love! O insuperable perfection! The servant speaks freely to his Lord and asks forgiveness for the people, or begs that he himself might perish along with them. Chapter 54 He who is full of love will incur every loss, that peace may be restored to the church. Who then among you is noble-minded? Who compassionate? Who full of love? Let him declare, If on my account sedition and disagreement and schisms have arisen, I will depart. I will go away whithersoever ye desire, and I will do whatever the majority commands. Only let the flock of Christ live on terms of peace with the presbyters set over it. He that acts thus shall procure to himself great glory in the Lord, and every place will welcome him. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. These things, they who live a godly life, that is never to be repented of, both have done and always will do. Chapter 55. Examples of Such Love To bring forward some examples from among the heathen, many kings and princes in times of pestilence, when they had been instructed by an oracle, have given themselves up to death, in order that by their own blood they might deliver their fellow citizens from destruction. Many have gone forth from their own cities, that so sedition might be brought to an end within them. We know many among ourselves who have given themselves up to bonds in order that they might ransom others. Many, too, have surrendered themselves to slavery, that with the price which they received for themselves, they might provide food for others. Many, too, have surrendered themselves to slavery, that with the my apologies. Many women, also being strengthened by the grace of God, have performed numerous manly exploits. The blessed Judith, when her city was besieged, asked of the elders permission to go forth into the camp of the strangers, and, exposing herself to danger, she went out for the love which she bare to her country into the people being besieged. When the Lord delivered Holofernes into the hands of a woman, Esther, also being perfect in faith, exposed herself to no less danger in order to deliver the twelve tribes of Israel from impending destruction. For with fasting and humiliation she entreated the everlasting God, who seeth all things. And he, perceiving the humility of her spirit, delivered the people for whose sake she had encountered peril. Chapter 56 Let us admonish and correct one another. Let us, then, also pray for those who have fallen into any sin, that meekness and humility may be given to them, 
so that they may submit not unto us, but to the will of God. For in this way they shall secure a fruitful and perfect remembrance from us, with sympathy for them, both in our prayers to God and our mention of them to the saints. Let us receive correction, beloved, on account of which no one should feel displeased. Those exhortations by which we admonish one another are both good in themselves and highly profitable, so for they tend to unite us to the will of God. For thus saith the Holy Word, The Lord hath severely chastened me, yet hath not given me over to death. And then, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Proverbs 3 and Hebrews chapter 12. The righteous, saith it, shall chasten me in mercy and reprove me. But let not the oil of sinners make fat my head. And again he saith, Blessed is the man whom the Lord reproveth, and reject not thou the warning of the Almighty. For he causes sorrow, and again restores to gladness. He woundeth, and his hands make whole. He shall deliver thee in six troubles, yea, in the seventh no evil shall touch thee. In famine he shall rescue thee from death, and in war he shall free thee from the power of the sword. From the scourge of the tongue will he hide thee, and thou shalt not fear when evil cometh. Thou shalt laugh at the unrighteous and the wicked, and shalt not be afraid of the beasts of the field. For the wild beasts shall be at peace with thee. Then shalt thou know that thy house shall be in peace, and the habitation habitation of thy tabernacle shall not fail. Thou shalt know also that thy seed shall be great, and thy children like the grass of the field. And thou shalt come to the grave like ripened corn which is reaped in its season, or like a heap of the threshing floor which is gathered together at the proper time. From Job chapter 5 verses 17 through 26. You see, beloved, that protection is afforded to those that are chastened of the Lord. For since God is good, he corrects us, that we may be admonished by his holy chastisement. Chapter 57 states, Let the authors of sedition submit themselves. Ye therefore, who laid the foundation of this sedition, submit yourselves to the presbyters and receive correction so as to repent, bending the knees of your hearts. Learn to be subject, laying aside the proud and arrogant self-confidence of your tongue. For it is better for you that ye should occupy a humble but honorable place in the flock of Christ than that, being highly exalted, ye should be cast out from the hope of his people. For thus speaketh all virtuous wisdom. Behold, I will bring forth to you the words of my spirit, and I will teach you my speech. Since I called, and ye did not hear, I held forth my words, and ye regarded not, but set at naught my counsels, and yielded not at my reproofs. Therefore I too will laugh at your destruction, yea, I will rejoice when ruin cometh upon you, and when sudden confusion overtakes you when overturning presents itself like a tempest, or when tribulation and oppression fall upon you. For it shall come to pass, that when ye call upon me, I will not hear you. The wicked shall seek me, and they shall not find me. For they hated wisdom, and did not choose the fear of the Lord, 
nor would they listen to my counsels, but despised my reproofs. Wherefore they shall eat the fruits of their own way, and they shall be filled with their own ungodliness. From Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, particularly the first few chapters there. Chapter 58, Blessings Sought for All That Call Upon God. May God, who seeth all things, and who is the ruler of all spirits, and the Lord of all flesh, who chose our Lord Jesus Christ and us through him to be a peculiar people, grant to every soul that call up upon his glorious and holy name faith, fear, peace, patience, long-suffering, self-control, purity, and sobriety to the well-pleasing of his name through our High Priest and Protector, Jesus Christ, by whom, and he, by whom be to him glory and majesty and power and honor, both now and forevermore. Amen. And finally, chapter 59. The Corinthians are exhorted speedily to send back word that peace has been restored. The Benediction. Send back speedily to us in peace, and with joy these are messengers to you, Claudius Ephibus and Valerius Vito, with Fortunatus, that they may the sooner announce to us the peace and harmony we so earnestly desire and long for among you, and that we may be more quickly rejoicing over the good order re-established among you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, and with all everywhere, that are the called of God, through him by whom be to him glory, honor, power, majesty, and eternal dominion from everlasting to everlasting. Amen. Thus concludes the first epistle of St. Clement. A shorter upload today. Next week we will be getting into the epistle of Mathetes to uh, Diognetus where we get into some more mysterious territory and a snapshot into the early development of the church's theology. But we will see that next week. Until then, our Lord bless you and keep you. Amen and amen.